So, before we commence this podcast, I just want to let all my YouTube watchers, all my YouTube listeners know, if you're watching the video of me right now, or after the video has completed itself, after the podcast has ended and concluded, the reason why I'm wearing this top flight security of the world uniform right now is because this is my day job. And I just didn't really have time to um, take my clothes off before I decided to record. I'm recording right now in the study room in the Sacramento Public Library system. Shout out to Sacramento Public Library. Supported my fantasy. Supported my ideals, my fascination with all things nerddom since the age of 19 or however old I was when I moved out here. But what's going on with you? How you guys doing? Not neglecting the tradition of this podcast, we shall commence the podcast with a quote, with a verse, with a lyric from a song that touched my heartstrings today. And today's inspiration shall come from the wonderful poet, the wonderful man that is black. And it was black who said in the song, he said in the song scripture from his latest project, East Atlanta Love Letter, East Atlanta Love Letter. When I'm doing that, I'm mocking Future because, you know, Future has that kind of, you know, and Future is featured on the song. But um, the song I'm actually quoting is not the one with Future, it's scripture. And about 53 seconds into the song, Black says, if you stick your hand out, don't be surprised if I look at you stupid. Where was you when it was just me and the music? That verse touched me so hard because to this day, I'm still at a point with this podcast, with this dream, which... I have been staying maintainedly steady on for three years now, going on three years now. I'm at the point now where, you know, get that point where my family members, my closest cousins, my closest brothers and sisters, some of my friends are looking at me crazy saying, you know, you're pursuing this dream. It's not bringing you any profit. It's vain. It's stupid. It has no has no opportunity of success in the world. And from the bottom of my heart, I just want to tell all those people, please go suck a big Marcus porn star. <laughs> nah, but in all seriousness, it just, it just, um, doing this podcast, and I think, and I can't say it's just with me doing the podcast, because when you're an artist, we all go through this. When you're involved in this type of entertainment industry, when you are in the entertainment industry and you're pursuing your dream, before you get to the phase where you have people in the thousands supporting you, you're always going to have people knocking you, you know, and that's the phase I'm at right now. I have everybody knocking me. I'm spending day and night on Instagram, on Twitter, tweeting, 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 begging for people to see my videos, begging for people to subscribe to my channel, begging to get that viewing and begging to get that chance to show people like, bro, I'm really dope at what I do. And reality is, you know, they're not as, um, needless to say, the public is not as kind to my advances as I would want them to be. But, um... All I can all I can keep doing in that moment is just keep pursuing, keep trying, keep going. And in these uh that verse touched me, man. Shout out to Black. I like I just like Black's outside of Black's music, I just like his whole persona. Like he has that mysterious kind of pseudo Bryson Tiller kind of thing. He just looks like that one dude who really just set up in the house every single day and just created music. Like I get that vibe from him. Like I get like a true artistic vibe from him. And as I've already said on the podcast, I'm just now starting to get to a point in the podcast where I feel like this is an art form. I feel like what I'm doing is art. I feel like what I'm doing, this is creation. This is creation. I'm taking my creation more seriously. And um, and that's and, and to that point where it comes to being serious about the art, how you're being so serious about your art and you feel like your immediate surroundings, particularly people that you care about, aren't... Um, are looking at your artists, aren't interpreting, aren't receive, aren't enjoy, aren't taking your artists seriously as you take your art. 
It is some. It is. Ooh, 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 ooh. Ooh, dang it. Put it up. Put it up. There you go. But it is some. It is something to be said about. It is something to be said about how the meaning that can make you feel. And uh, I just appreciate that, man. Shout out to Black. Shout out to making music that really just. Shout out to making music that really just. You know, I was thinking about earlier today. And since we're beginning the podcast talking about a rapper, this is actually a good topic to spiral into since we're talking about rapping the way. When people talk about what makes a great rapper, when people talk about what makes a great rapper, they always bring up all the things they bring up the, um, when they they bring up all the things like they bring up the, uh, his lyrical ability, his star presence. We rarely, if ever, have a discussion about the voice, the voice of the rapper. And I'm not just touching on this topic because I'm always my main promotion point when I'm trying to get my podcast out there is I have the greatest voice of all time, which by the way, let's touch on that. Somebody asked me out the other day, like, but do you really think your do you really think your voice is better than Morgan Freeman? Do you really think your voice is better than Dennis Haysburg? Do you really think your voice is better than Keith David from Gargoyles? Boy, no, no. But you paid attention. We wouldn't be having this conversation if I'd have said, I have the fourth best, I have the, the 89th best voice on YouTube. Like, no, no, but if I put the greatest voice, okay, who he is? Who does, who does this negro think he is? Let me Google him right now. So, it, you know, it, I, obviously it caught your attention that you would be watching me right now. So, so, I mean, it is what it is. Um, we rarely ever have a conversation about what makes a dope rapper's voice. Like, what makes a dope rapper's voice like... Uh, like how, and I, I think that's something that we, we, we never have a conversation about. Like, who are the rappers with the dopest voices? Like the voices that when you heard it, you just, it just fascinated you, it just grabs you. Because that's an important thing. A lot of people don't talk about. We just focus on the lyrical quality. So, for those of you, particularly the women, because it's a misconception that women aren't hip hop nerds like we're nerds. Particularly white, white women. I'm gonna tell you something. When you meet white women who really do love hip hop, they really be all the way. They be knowing ASAP Rocky verses have uh, Iggy is not Iggy. That's a bad example. They'll have Mac Miller verses tattooed on the on the back seat of they. Uh, they it could be like you. They really do when they when they are nerds and fandom for nerds of the hip hop fandom. They are really serious about this stuff. So I want you guys to let me know in the comments below. Give me your five, your five, your five favorite hip hop voices, your five favorite hip hop voices. And I shall give you mine right now. And actually, this is coming right off the top of the head. So I've never actually did time to try and take up this list. But if I had to say <clears throat> as of today, November 7th, 2018, if I had to think of the five dopest voices in hip hop, just the voice quality. One, I'd say Tupac. And I know that's a very, um, I'm a, I don't want to say politically correct. I'll say hip-hop culture correct answer. Tupac's the best, bro. Tupac's the best. Tupac, he's the best. He's the greatest of all time. Have you ever listened to Tupac before? Tupac is the best. I know that's a very hip-hop, hip-hop correct answer to give, but I, when you listen to Tupac, when you hear how his voice, when you hear he had this, See, Tupac, Tupac was interesting because despite the fact that he rapped and rapped so eloquently about um, the lower the lower of the human nature of Negroes from the urban areas or nigga shit. See, I'm doing better at cursing right now because I had to see how I explained that better without having to actually use profanity. 
despite the fact that he waxed poetic about Pastor eloquently, if you paid attention to his tone, some of the best rappers, I think, when they, in their tone and their cadence, what they do that really kind of resonates with me is like they'll they'll take a they'll take a cadence or they'll take a tone of voice that isn't necessarily traditionally hip hop. Like Tupac's, if you if you ever listen to how Tupac sounded, his flow was more kind of like on some opera kind of stuff, like but like the stereotypical at that time in the mid nineties, the stereotypical rapper type of yo. Check it, And when you went to Cali, and that's where Tupac got most of his hip hop influence from, we was more laid back with it. Ride with y'all, folks. It's going down sideways in the cloud of smoke. Going down, going down. That's my song. Ride with y'all, folks. You know what I'm saying? So I like how when he talk, he his his tone, his cadence. Tupac's tone and Tupac's cadence have this pseudo opera. Baritone, Dulcinea, but when niggas say, never let all eyes on me in that bubble of fire to the day I die, all eyes on me, all eyes on me. Like, I'm gonna tell you how you know rappers' voice is dope when when it's a memeable, when it's a memeable, when it, when their voice is a memeable device. There is so many, like, he had, he just had this really. Opera, opera-esque kind of tones of his voice. So I think his was dope. And when you listen to his songs, man, like, if we're just talking about the voice, but since I gotta, since we're talking about Tupac, I gotta just talk about the songs, like the concepts for his songs, Dear Mama, uh, Ben Brenda's Got a Baby. Now, lyricism, lyricism, he wasn't necessarily the dopest lyricist. Like, I, he didn't say nothing to really fascinate me, but as far as the voice, the concept of the song, like what the song was about, not word for word, but what the song would be about, very, very talented. So, number one, definitely be Tupac. Let me write that down, actually. Best voices in hip-hop. Number one is Tupac. Well, number one has to be Tupac. That's that's the man. Uh, shout out to Matt Thomas. Matt Thomas said, Lil Pump is over Tupac. Mm, we can have that conversation. So, when you say Lil Pump is over it's like, nah, nah, okay, okay, he's like, he's like, it's like, nah, 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 he's like, nah, 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 he's like, you don't want that smoke. I mean, hey, I'll be real with you, and we're, we're only talking about voice right now, I'll be real with you. If we're just talking about popularity, Lil Pump versus Tupac, right now, in this moment, Lil Pump is more popular than Tupac. And I know a lot of people are going to kill me. Now, influence-wise, he ain't touching Tupac. Influence of how he influenced the culture, I don't think Lil Pump will ever touch Tupac on that. But as far as in today, right now, November 7th, while I'm recording, as far as like how many people around the world are hipping and dancing to his music right now in Brazil and Argentina, the shores of Portugal, right now Lil Pump is killing Tupac. But as far as the influence that he had in the culture and his staple, Tupac will always be better than Lil Pump. It's not even a comparison. So anyway, I got Tupac. I got Tupac as number one as best hip-hop voices, which I don't know when you tuned in, but basically we're talking about, I'm talking about what are the best hip-hop voices, like the hip voice that really caught you in hip-hop. So number one, I'll say Tupac. Uh, if it was somebody else outside of Tupac, you know who has a really dope voice in hip-hop? And I was going to say this anyway, but you made me think about this because you said a little shout-out to all my Lil's out there, Lil Pump, Lil Zivert, even to the above 30-generation Lil's, the Lil Flips, the Lil Wayne's, the Lil Rome's. I don't know what happened after 1999 that made all rappers then pass say, we want to be Lil everything. Lil Pump, Lil Vert, Lil Uzi Vert, Lil Hip Hip, Lil Zan, Lil Peep. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. 
it was some I don't know what happened in between ninety eight and ninety nine that everybody said they wanted to name themselves Lil and every nigga after that, every other rapper after that has to be a little. But um another dude another dude I can I really whose voice I really like, I've I didn't find out about this boy until 2016 and I didn't listen to his mixtape until 2017. This boy's I I don't know why I'm such a sucker for it. Well, I'm explain why it's Lil Uzi Vert. I love Lil Uzi Vert's voice, like his cadence. I love it because it's it's like so a lot of people don't know, like, growing up as a kid, my primary listening, my I like hip-hop now. It's my primary, primary rotation on my Spotify account. But when I was growing up, my favorite music that I used to listen to was grunge music. I used to love grunge and emo rap. So I like Lil Uzi Vert because when I listen to Lil Uzi Vert, it reminds me, it takes me to nostalgia back when you had, like, the Limp Biscuits. And so it's like a combination of, like, a, it's like a perfect hybrid shot of, like, emo and hip hop, like I don't really care if you cry. And so when he has that cadence, like I love that rock, that rock star. I love that rock star cadence when it's on hip hop songs, like I don't really care if you cry. Tell that man I should have never lied. Like I like is is it's different. Like, and I think I think that's the thing with me. There's like I like with Tupac. Tupac had the Tupac had the fat lady of the opera cadence on hip hop beats. Lil Uzi Vert has like the rock star Santana, Lil Uzi Vert, Van Halen kind of style over hip hop and trap beats, and I, I love that. Him and Trippy Red, Trippy Red when it comes at just that, Trippy Red got a song called "Bull." You can't bull hit us, nah. That's something. Now that's something we can bring up too. And I think I, I was thought about this the other day. Is like, I think back in the day, I think I think in Tupac's era, I think Tupac's era, you had better voices. You had Tupac's voice. You had DMX's voice. You had um, you had um, what's my boy's name from early nineties? A KRS One. Oh man, I remember. I never listened to a KRS One song, a KRS One song voluntarily until a few months ago. Dang, that boy went hard. His album came out in ninety two, ninety one, but I was like, dang, this like you that song. Uh, that's the son of the police. For those who don't know who KRS One is. If any time you've ever heard that sound like that, that's the sound of the police with the whoop, whoop, that's the sound of the police, that's KRS-One. I I beg you, I plead you, I, I implore you, please take four and a half minutes out of your day going to your Spotify or Apple Music account and look up KRS-One. This man has some of the, this, it was just the energy, that energy, that cadence, like, and that's taught, that taught me something because I used to always think that New York hip-hop was boring. I used to always think hip-hop from New York, from the region of New York, I always just interpreted it, interpreted it as, this is just boring music, I don't want to hear this, I don't want to know about how the white man's going to keep me down for another 10 years and how I shouldn't have sex with white women. But KRS-One, uh, Wu-Tang Clan, all them dudes was dope. Now, with that being said, so number two of my number two of my list is Lil Uzi Vert. I think we're going. Are we going in no order? And there's no order of my list because I don't want to do that. It's no order of my list. So right now it's Tupac, Lil Uzi Vert. Number three, number three best voices in hip hop gotta be DMX. DMX, you got you can't you can't like I'm gonna tell you I'm gonna tell you like I said like I said earlier, you know a voice is something very significant. You know her voice is something very significant and very powerful when it becomes a memeable, a memeable device, something that you can mock. And that was the thing with DMX. DMX had this, it just commanded attention and you just, ha, ha, baby. 
DMX the only DMX the only Negro in hip hop who served who sold who sold damn that 83 million 83 million records barking on songs just like like he actually made a he actually made a real a real he actually made a real real he had a real legitimate run with that on crack cocaine the whole time. A lot of people don't know that you had a crack addiction the whole time. Crack might be the key to creating great artists. Let's let's take time and talk about that next episode. That might be our next discussion, bro. Yeah, man, he he was dope too. DMX had that voice that commanded attention. It sounded gruff. Anytime DMX had that type of voice, where if I heard that and it was past eleven p.m. and I was at a, and I was at the at the ATM in front of Seven Eleven, I felt like I was gonna get robbed and raped that night. Like if I had heard that, if I had heard him speak behind me, he, he could have just been saying something nice like, "Hey, I like your shoes, dog." What I would Heard is am you rape you and rape your shoe like that's what how to interpret it so like he was actually that dude he actually was a really really talented um he actually he actually is really really talented he he actually was really talented what he did so shout out to shout out to uh got a little phlegm but um shout out to um shout out to dmx he's he was um Shout out to DMX. He's he's a very very talented artist. Very very talented artist. I I love this voice. It was rough. It was gruff. It was raspy. When I heard his voice, I sounded. I heard everything. That's another thing about voices too. In hip hop, the voice seeing seeing music wise and like traditional music, quote unquote, like R and B or soul music or pop. That pop space prior to pop kind of becoming hip hop. Your voice, generally speaking, had to be beautiful. You know what I'm saying? Like your voice had to be beautiful. Your voice had to be smooth or or just relaxing or beautiful or uplifting. Like it had to have this um your voice had to have this quality to it that just fascinated and just put people to sleep. Like it had to be one of those type of things. It had to be it had, it had to be Ooh shoot. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, your voice had to be your voice had to be a beautiful, magical tool that just Soothe the soul, soothe the soul. Versus with the hip hop, your voice doesn't necessarily have to be beautiful. In fact, your voice really don't even have to be distinctive. But I think for us to really notice your voice and pay attention to the dopeness of it or get like a gravity to it, I think it has to um it has to have something distinctive to it, you know? I mean and I and I don't I don't think having a I honestly I don't think having a dope anything is necessary in hip hop. I think honestly when you're creating when you're crafting a, a song for a, when you're crafting a song for the hip for hip hop, I think ninety eight percent of the time the most important thing is the beat. Rappers like Blueface, rappers like Twenty One Savage have proved that. You don't have to have a dope voice. You don't have to have a, a amazing voice or cadence that really just catches everybody. You know, this is just my personal opinion. And even then, there's some rappers who have dope voices but just got ignored. You know, so and we can have that conversation about longevity, longevity in hip hop another time. But um. Yeah, I don't think I think I think like with DMX, DMX's voices was amazing because it was gruff, it sounded manly, and for the type of music that he was making, that aggressive, I'ma stomp a nigga out right after I get done sinking my chalate and in front of the night prep. Like when you heard it was perfect for the type of music he was making. I don't think he could I don't think he could sing um Gaston from Beauty and the Beast with that same voice and that same cadence and people will still pay attention to it. Somehow, somehow I feel like that's not going to market well. No one's sexy as Gaston, nigga. Like somehow, somehow I feel, somehow I feel between, 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 him, between the music and the consumer, there's going to be a little bit of a disconnect. I don't know, that might be a word. I don't know why. 
It is some musical artists out there who I do think should get into making kids' songs, like Migos. I think Migos low-key need to come up with like a kids' album, like a kids' bop for kids. Just uh, one, uh, uh, two, kids on the slide, uh, 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 two kids on the slide. Uh, uh, uh. Man, I wish I'd have had that when I was four. I've been slapping Migos on my big wheel. But um, so that's number so that's number three. So right now we got Tupac, Rosie Berg, DMX. Who pray tell should be the next two? The next two, next dude I'm going to put on my list, and he's on my mind because he, he, he he's somewhat from my region. He's from a city about 50 miles out from where I grew up at, and his music and his voice, it just makes me think, oh, so much. It just makes me think, oh, so much of, like, the culture of Bay Area hip-hop, and that is Mike Sherm. A lot of you guys might not be familiar with, familiar with him. Mike Sherm makes some of the funniest he his music, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you, his last few songs that I've heard, and I'm recording this in 2018. His songs for the last about year, about a half a year, about a year, direct year, 12 months have been kind of dryish. But his older stuff used to be so funny, he used to have me so weak. And God bless us, God bless us, poor little soul. He used to speak. He used to speak so derogatorily about women. Like it was just, it was just insane. Like he spoke so derogatorily about women. Like, the whole time I used to be thinking, like, bro, who hurt you? Shout out to Daniel Caesar. That's a great song. Who hurt you, Mike Sherm? Who, who hurt you? Who who violated your soul? Violated? Who played with your heart like that? He he would say, if I bust in your gut, eat this pill. Yeah. I don't, he just, I, 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 I watch it swallow all my kids. This sick. He just spoke so derogatorily about women. And in hip-hop generally doesn't. Hip hop generally isn't very um, female friendly, if you will. But I think with Mike Sherman, it was a little bit different because with him, he see with Bay Area hip the not with Mike Sherman. Sorry, we misspoke. With Bay Area hip hop, it's a little bit different because I think our music, because you know, in our culture, it was pimping was a big thing back in the Bay Area hip hop. In its in its creation in the time when it started spawning with Too Short, Too Short was arguably the, the the first real gigantic hip hop star that we have in the Bay Area. And because of that, and because of his influence, because the, at that time Pimp was really popular, the movie The Mac had just came out. See, music in L.A. comes from more of that gang banging kind of perspective, because you know N.W.A. was out at the time, and Colors came out, and so. Music in L.A. was created in the midst of the gang street influences happening day to day in their life. What the rappers are saying about it. And then also what the movies are saying about it, because movies started bringing it up too. same thing with the Bay Area. The Mac had just came out, one of the most popular films that we had at the time, talking about pimping and stuff like that. Then you had two stories rapping about pimping. So. A lot of the rappers that you see that come out of the Bay Area, be they from Oakland, be they from East Alto Palto, be they from Hercules, be they from San Marcos. San Marcos isn't in the Bay Area. I misspoke again. But like uh, a lot of those dudes that you'll see, a lot of them are simply fruits off of a Two Shorts tree, fruits off of E-40's tree. And that tree was about basically effort woman. I don't care about women. F a woman. Why would I marry her? I don't want to marry no F a B word. You can't trust a B word, et cetera, et cetera. And... That was like the color of Bay Area hip hop, even up until now. I laugh at Mike Sherm because he's a manifestation of that. Like he's a proof of that. He's twenty one year old, twenty one years old. He's 
key proof of like he's kind of like a he's like fruit off of that tree and that fascinates me like you see this boy he's like he's pure fruit off of that berry tree like a berry or like a seed of that a seed of the two short verses or e40 verses like he's a seed of that so um sorry i hate to keep doing that on the microphone so so um yeah but is he he has a very funny i i if there's any song just look up mike sherm mike sherm when I first heard his name, I thought of like Sherm Heads, because I think that was a big drag back in the day. But like, look up Mike Sherm. He's a very, very um, cool rapper. I like some of his old stuff. Look up Gimme That, um, Asshole. Um, he has some good songs. Antioch Pack, um, Born to Be a Boss, Seven Pictures in the Room, Tell Him Who Try to Uck. You know, he has some dope words. So shout out to him. So that's my four where Tupac, Lucy Vert, Mike Sherm, DMX, number five. Number five. Who would I put as number five? Who would I put as number five? If I had to put a number five, if I had to, put, this actually gave me an idea for another list I'm gonna do right after this. But if I um, had to get a top number, the one out of this five I had to put in this list, whose voices really got me. Um, because there's so many people who have dope voices in hip-hop, but I'm trying to think of the ones who personally I loved and listened to a lot who really affected me, who, like, I really liked. So, excuse me. So, if I just say anybody, let me think. Hmm. You know who just really affected me? I guess who... Um, this one, I guess, number five, I can't think of anybody off the pop, off the top of my head who's personal. So I'm just going to say number five is like kind of like just off rip just for it's not going to come from my person. It's going to come. It's going to come from my personal opinion, but also more from just who I think really deserves it is nah, it's not necessarily his voice. It was more him just delivery. I don't know. Mystery number five. I guess I can't think of a number five. So maybe you should decide for me. Who do you think should be number five in the with the best Rap voice. Who has the best rap voice? Who do you think should be number five? Let me know your number five. Let me, let me know your five. Now, um, the list that also came into my head while we were talking about top fives is top five most beautiful black women. And once again, when you listen to this, when you listen to this podcast, I'm not one of those guys who's going to be all black emotep. Black people should take over the world. We are not. I'm not one of those type of guys. I'm not. I just this. Right now, I happen to be talking about hip-hop, you know, it's black music form, I'm black, and this microphone's black. So I was, so I thought about that. So I thought about, let's do a list about, let's do a list about the top five most beautiful black women. And let me think, let's see what should I do. Top five most beautiful black women. If I could say off the top of my head, um, one I'm going to say is... Real okay. First, you know the one I'm gonna say first is Nanazini Miguel's fiance, the singer Miguel's fiance. His fiance is magnificent. Oh my gosh, she is a very beautiful woman. One of the most beautiful black women we have walking the face of earth. Her face has this classic, timeless beauty about it that when I see it, I'm like, oh my god, like she's just beautiful. So that's top. I just, she has, 
She has this like very classical 1950s, 1960s, 60s actress look about her, and she's just beautiful. So shout out to her, Nana Zini. My girl. I don't wish I knew her name, but that's one. Number two would have to be. And once again, this list can change. Just this is going off the top of my head. Number two would be. Hmm, who should be number two? I'm gonna say. Let me get. Let me know also too. Who do you think number two should be? Number two, I'm gonna say should be just for the culture. Real Bria Miles. Shout out to Real Bria Miles. Beautiful woman. Um, she really popped off last year after she did that. Uh. Did that photo shoot with that uh, with those other six or seven Coco Queens who just look so lavish at the beach. And she uh she really popped off after that after that. But um yeah, no, she doing her thing. She's just beautiful. You you she's just a she got that ass. And she got a cute face, she got those lips. So shout out to Ruby and Miles. I put her in that category. Definitely those two. Um number three, I'm gonna say is Paula Patton. Paula Patton cannot bring up beautiful black women without bringing up Paula Patton. She is very fair-skinned. I am aware of that. But at the same time, they're fair You know, this is actually a good topic. We can bring this up. I'm going to get back, bounce on that later on. But um, So she's a very beautiful one. We have to talk about her as well. Um, let me see. Number four would be um, top two or in the lab. Top two. Who I'm trying to think. Who are the most beautiful black woman to me in the world? Oh, my God. There is this one. I wish I knew her name. I know her name. I follow her on Instagram. She's so chocolatey. Forgot her name. I forgot her name. But you know what? Since she, since she's not, since I can't think of it right now, since I can't think of it right now, we're just going to say West African Doll. West African Doll. Shout out to West African Doll. I love you. You're beautiful. Beautiful woman. Love you to death. And number five will be... And this girl actually blocked me on Instagram. Uh, so I think as I kept like spam, I kept doing my whole like thing of saying, You're the great I have the greatest voice of all time. I put it on her on her page and she she um she uh she uh she for you know what? Since she knocked me, I'm not even gonna put her on the list. Number five is Candace Blackbird. There we go. So the five the top five most beautiful black women to me are Miguel's fiance, Bria Miles, Paula Patton, Robin Thicke's ex-wife, actually. Modesta, aka West African Doll, on Instagram, and number five will be Candace Blackburn. Those are the top five most beautiful black women to me. Um, so yeah, those are my five. Now, I didn't touch on this a while. I didn't touch on this when it happened because I felt like it was kind of like, um, well, I forgot about it, honestly. But for those who don't know, The Rock is starring in the in the film that's based off of. The Negro folklore that was told to all of us as black children, we were in the progress dodging bullets. Um, but those don't know, in African American culture, there is a hero, and some of you, some black people, black people might not even know about this. But um, there is a hero in African American folklore, African American culture. No, we're not talking about Luke Cage. No, we're not talking about Black Panther. Racist. Anyway, that being said, it's this guy named John Henry. And John Henry was famous as being this super strong Negro who worked hard at the railroad, laying a railroad, laying a railroad, laying railroad tracks during the railroad construction era when they were actually making railroads to stretch everywhere. And he was famous for this feat in the folklore story where there was a mountain, there was a mountain, and the challenge was he had to lay, the, this was, this was, it was, the story is how, I guess it was in the Industrial Revolution or something like that where you have this, you have this, um, 
you have this tunneling device or something that was tunneling through a mountain and he had to race that to the end to he had to race that tunneling machine to the other our other side of the mountain to see who could win it was something like that it was some feat some magical feat of strength that he performed and he died in the process i don't even know if it's a real person i don't think this thing was real and so the rock shout to dwayne johnson and let me prefix with this you're gonna see where i'm going with this the rock is half black and half samoan now he in public he usually caters more to his samoan side than any other side he always speaks on it i can't say he necessarily ignores the black side because his name the rock comes from his father rocky johnson who was a professional wrestler before he was so him just having the name the rock is showing honor to his father so i don't want to say he's just ignoring his negro roots but um he um, is starring in the film as John Henry. And some people feel a certain type of way about it because he's very light-skinned and they feel like he's not representing John Henry. Now, here's the thing. And I know where that comes from because growing up, when we watched the John Henry cartoons as a kid, when we read him in the storybooks, he was my complexion. I can't get that mad about it because me saying he's not black enough to be him it's different when you're saying the person's not black enough to be a fictional character. Like, I got mad as heck when I saw Chadwick Boseman was cast to play Thurgood Marshall because I was like, he looks nothing like Thurgood Marshall. I got mad when I saw that one light-skinned lady was cast to play Nina Simone because she looks nothing like him. Nina Simone. I didn't feel no type of way when I saw Will Smith get cast as Muhammad Ali because he they, it's, not that, it's not that far off. When you're playing a fictional character... We don't even know if John Henry really existed. That's the first thing. I would rather him be. I would rather him be a darker skinned person. I'm not gonna lie, but I can't. Like we can't ignore. We can't. We we're not gonna. What I've been trying to avoid having this conversation in this on this podcast is having the light skin versus dark skin thing. Reality is, light skinned people have existed in America as long as dark skinned people have existed. They've been raping us for a long time. So for if you know, it's not like that. He put it like this. The Rock is light-skinned. He's very light-skinned. But he's not light-skinned enough to where if he'd have been born in slavery, that nigga wouldn't have been. That big six-foot-five-ass field, that nigga would have been. He would have been in the field. Let me tell you something right now. He, he would have been in the field picking cotton and wrestling. Can you smell with Rock? Nigga, pick that gun. <laughs> like, you feel me? It wouldn't have been, It wouldn't have went down. It wouldn't have went down the way you I think it would. You know? So I think you should play the character. I think you should play the character. We can't pretend. I think we, we we when it's a fictional character, I'm not I'm I'm not caring as much because reality is like I said, we're not just gonna pretend like light skinned people don't exist, and we can't have that conversation about you know. I think some people get mad when they have the light skin dark skin discussion because it's some dark light skinned people who want to be the other half rather than the black half and only care to the black side when it's convenient. But my thing about it, how I look at it is too, and then we had that conversation about too, what makes you black. How I look at it is like this. This is what I think is black. Because this is my opinion of what makes you black. If you have black blood in you, I go by the, I go by the white man's law. The one drop rule. If you have one drop of Negro in you, and put it like this. If you have, if you have enough black blood in you, and you have a a root that you can come that you can trace back to in your family that makes you black. Like say for example, 
if you're really light skinned, if you're half white, but maybe your grandfather is black or if your grandmother's black, if you have a source that you can go back to, I'm going to do you just like how the Indians do. If you can have at least one relative immediate source that you can go back to, whether it's your grandmother, your grandfather, then you're black to me. That's what makes you black. And you have the decision that identifies that as you want to. There are some people who are half white and half black and for whatever reason don't want to claim that. I'll respect that and say, okay, cool. You don't want to be what we are? It's cool. It's whatever. I don't think that's a situation with The Rock. I think because reality is... The Rock look more Pacific Islander than he do look black. I mean, if it, it is what it is, it's not. It's not a. It ain't, it ain't a. He do look more Pacific Islander than he do look black. But well, truthfully, he look more. Truthfully, he don't even look Pacific Islander to me. Hell, when he unless if you unless you look at those field photos when he was fat, fat and wore those turtlenecks. But like, he just really just like a mixed person, like a racially miscellaneous person. But uh, <clears throat> but nah, I mean if he. Like I said, I I don't care as long as the movie's good. I think he'll do a good job. I think he'll, I think he'll do a good job. I think he'll do a good job, and they, I, I think he'll do a good job. I like The Rock. I've been a fan of The Rock since I was nine years old. So obviously, I'm be, I might be a little bit biased, but I have faith in the film, you know. So with that being said, we had a very interesting discussion today. It was very topic based, and rarely were topic based, topic based. But thank you for listening to the podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you all. It's a pleasure having this conversation. Much love, peace, and chicken grease. What time is it? Ooh, ooh. Okay, cool. Yeah, much love, peace, and chicken grease. Uh, I'll be back here tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Please subscribe. Please click subscribe. Please click share. Thank you.